Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crowded Booth Podcast. It's not too often when we have the Crowded Booth Podcast, we get to bring in another broadcaster, so it truly is a crowded booth. Wiley Ballard is sitting virtually across from me. Wiley, first off, uh, talk to us about who you are. Let the people know because, you know, people outside of the Georgia Tech or Atlanta realm be like, who in the world is, is this guy talking to today? I think there are people inside the Georgia Tech and Atlanta realm who might be, who in the world is he talking to today? <laughs> um, but uh, my name is Wiley Ballard. I obviously work uh, closely with Georgia Tech. I uh, host their pregame and uh, their pregame show and uh, for Georgia Tech football. I do the postgame interviews as well as serve as their side run reporter in years that are not affected by COVID. Uh, and then in the spring, I serve as their voice to the Georgia Tech baseball team and uh, do a, a myriad of a, where. Uh, a bunch of different hats uh, for Georgia mm -hmm. Tech and, and a few other schools across the area. And uh, as far as the crowded booth goes, uh, yeah, we get, uh, people are in trouble today with the two of us. So. <laughs> it truly is. And I think that's that's what you talked about. I uh, wanted to start off right there. Where were you? Because uh, during football season, are you in the booth? Are you on the sideline? I know I saw some pictures, but typically you're roaming the sideline, which makes your job a lot easier. You may be able to see some things, but from, were you in the booth for this past season? So I was uh, not allowed to be on the field, which obviously just trying to make sure we were able to play games, take every precaution necessary. So no problem with that. Um, I wound up in the booth and, you know, I, my role didn't change as much. I think the way I did the job changed a good bit. Um, you know, it was still the similar type of in-game content from me, but instead of, you know, leaning in on a, on an offensive huddle or, or trying to, you know, catch an exchange between, you know, maybe two defensive, uh, defensive backs who were, you know, trying to get on the same page with the coverage and being able to relay that type of insight live in game, I took on more kind of a storytelling role, uh, which, which I think you see often on the television side a lot where, you know, if you're watching a college football game on TV, you know, your sideline reporter have, you know, two or three stories throughout the game about, you know, just sort of add some color, add some detail uh, to a certain player or coach. And so my tactic was to try and schedule some phone calls during the week. A big thanks to uh, to Mike Flynn, uh, as well as Andrew Clawson for um, setting all that stuff up. But, you know, I would, I would talk with a positions coach, you know, about, uh, once a week, it'd be a, a different area of the team every week. And, you know, obviously when you, you get to hear from the defensive and off you know, the two coordinators, uh, Dave Patton and Andrew Thacker, uh, during the week as long, along with Jeff Collins. So, you know, you, you're getting thoughts for them, but I tried to go a level deeper and say, okay, you know what? The, the offensive line had a really good, you know, week, uh, you know, in, in the win over Duke, you know, what, what can I gather from Brett key and his group and, you know, how they're developing. So I tried, that was kind of my target, um, as far as content went, and then uh, there were a couple nights like against Louisville and Duke uh, where the offense was having really good nights where, you know, I'd dive headfirst in the, in the media guide and try and come up with some stats and those types of things. So, uh, or, or new records or, you know, first time since and, and all that type of stuff. So, uh, and then as far as road games went, um, we only went to Florida State, which I guess looking back, probably the, the right game to go to, a nice win for Georgia Tech. So beyond that, uh, we, we called them. Uh, from our ACC Network studios on campus, Andy Blanton, Kyle Apat, Jake Dersheimer, and, and a bunch of other guys are great on campus for us um, in setting that up and getting that done. So it was uh, a season unlike any other, um, but also grateful to play it. Yeah, I think that's the sentimental feeling around everyone. And obviously, as vaccine continues to roll out, the hope is we can get maybe a little bit better, a little bit, a little bit closer, and we'll see some more fans in the stands. 
I wanted to go back and we'll just lead off with football because it was kind of cool. I was a part of it, and obviously this will be airing on Sunday, but as of today when we're, shoot, we're shooting this on Thursday, uh, we talked with today uh, for 24-7 Sports kind of an exit interview with Michael DeVoe and Josh Pastor, and they talked about what the men's basketball team is doing and how this run has marketed and branded them. On the flip side, it remains to be seen, obviously, as the time we're recording this, the women's program is doing much of the same, bringing that brand up. You've seen the football program firsthand. Is this a you know entire athletic department change? Because you've been around the program. You were a student there. Just from your vantage point, talking with some players, it's even been from Russell Athletic to Adidas. I mean, things are just kind of changing to gain more national exposure, not only on, on the football field, but in other sports as well. How have you seen that play out? In so many ways, uh, a little background on myself. So I'm from Atlanta. Uh, I, I grew up uh, going to Georgia Tech games. Um, I, I'm not always proud to, to, to reel off this, this nugget, but I haven't missed a home football game since 2009. Um, so I've, I've been around uh, and I only share that just to say, I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not Todd Stansbury here with, with his type of perspective or, or even uh, Randy Waters or, or so many others, you know, who have followed the program, you know, just as closely, if not more closely, and for longer. But having said all that, this kind of reminds me um, of, you know, around the 2009-2010 era, where you go back to that academic year, uh, Georgia Tech wins an ACC football championship. I mean, we can sit here and talk about, is it officially in the record book or not? But they went on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, that spring, or I should, that March, they go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, with Derek Favors, Amon Shumpert, uh, Mufan Udofia, and the baseball team is rolling at that point. Um, they're a national seed. The softball team is hosting uh, a super, or I shouldn't say a super regional, but a, actually that might have been the super regional year. Either way, they're hosting winning ACC tournaments regularly. Um, and even women's basketball is is competing at a high level uh, and, and, and making the NCAA tournament. So, you go back to, or, or you, you move forward. And then, I mean, there was a year, uh, it, it was my senior year of, of college where uh, Tech did not make the postseason um, in any of the, you know, traditional team sports. We're talking volleyball, we're talking women's basketball, we're talking softball, baseball, men's basketball, football. It was it was the 2016-17, uh, or I guess 2017-18 season, I believe. Yes, I think that's, I think that's right. Somewhere in that ballpark, um, but I think the, I think the only postseason tournament was the women's basketball team made the WNIT. So I mean, you know, college athletics are cyclical, but I also think that's right when Todd Stansbury got here, and I think similar to Josh Pastner, some of that growth takes longer than I think we all would like it to. But if if you're patient and stay the course, I think the benefits are going to be uh, going to be there for you, especially if you believe in who's. Uh, in charge. And I think we felt that way pretty strongly with Josh Pastner. I think the folks who followed Georgia Tech basketball on the men's side very closely um, coming into this season, they felt like they were a tournament team from a talent standpoint. And, and did they stumble out of the gates? No, they, they, they face planted. They was losing those first two games to Mercer and Georgia State. I mean, that was that was that, that that was a real eyesore on the resume for a long time, but they knew they had the talent and the ability to overcome it. They stuck with it and uh, and played their best basketball uh, in, in the month of uh, February and March, which is the way you want to do it. So, you know, I, I hope to see some parallels there with football. You know, I think I think they're headed 
in the right direction. It just might take a little longer than, than I think everybody would like it to. But in the same way, I think that a lot of people inside the building believed in Josh Pastner are now clearly, you know, an ACC championship later feel, you know, validated for that. I think there's a, a similar feeling towards Jeff Collins that, you know, it's on their way. Having said all that, um, no, I, I do. Th- I mean, going back to the Adidas stuff. Yeah, I think that's been huge. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, I I probably didn't appreciate what a big deal it was. Um, the gear. You know, I, I thought it was something that 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 fans said a lot and 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 pointed out and 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 you know all this and that and you know the other day in my mind I've always just kind of looked at Georgia Tech and said well I mean who cares about the clothes man I mean you're going to play Power Five you're going to get a heck of an education I mean you know who cares about the gear but I think some things I've learned um, since since you know Jeff Collins has arrived and Adidas has gotten on campus that stuff it it matters a lot more than than maybe my you know I was predisposed to think. And, you know, so I've, I, I think I've learned a lot um, seeing that unfold. And I've, I've been uh, really encouraged. And, and, and the one thing I think uh, that, that Coach Collins does such a good job of um, that I think at times Georgia Tech, the fan base, and, and me included, you know, in, in, in that to a certain extent, you, you forget, you know, you, Georgia Tech's a pretty cool place. Uh, it's, it's in Atlanta. It's got a great history. And, and you know, I think the – the uh, and I got, I'm speaking very broadly here, so I, I got to be careful. But I think there's a time, or at least there's a, there's a feeling in the Georgia Tech community of you know you put your head down and you know nose against the grindstone and you know the results are what they are and and that's you know and you're and the success comes and you're happy. Whereas you know I think what we've done a better job at these last uh, couple of years with, with Todd Stansbury, Jeff Collins, Josh Pastor, and many others is you know, I, I not gloating, but but kind of beating your chest a little bit. You know, kind of letting people know, hey, you know, we're here, we're not just here, but we're doing we're we're doing good things. Um, and I think Georgia Tech, with its with its spot in Atlanta, which is a crowded market, and I know we're in a crowded booth, but a crowded market. Um, I think that's that's important for Georgia Tech. I think it's it's something that you know you need to make sure to sort of raise your hand and say, hey, you know, we just won an ACC men's basketball title. Hey, you know. Mel Fortner's ACC coach of the year. Hey, you know, baseball's top 15 program. Uh, hey, volleyball is on fire right now. Top 25 having their best season in over a decade, if not, you know, all go all back 15 years. So I think, uh, I think the one thing I've learned, you know, is, is, is the importance of, of communicating your message outward um, and not, not, not just being successful, but being able to, to share that story in, in an effective manner. And I think, too, what is a great thing about that, because Atlanta and Collins has said this, Passner said this, and even to an extent Nell Fortner has said this about the program, and, and I'm sure others as well, is, you know, you're in you're in arguably the, if you just want to look at it from a football standpoint, the college football capital of the world, the College Football Hall of Fame just down the road. I mean, uh, you have obviously the national championship there was, was a couple years ago. And I think so many times, too, we see University of Georgia kind of grouped in with Atlanta sports. But taking this pride, take kind of the beating of the chest, I think is Collins establishing saying, hey, we're here. And Wiley, from a recruiting standpoint in our on our side, and you're seeing it with guys who are choosing uh, Georgia Tech, and you're seeing them on the field, we're seeing them before. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing players, and I've, I, we, I had a great conversation with former Georgia Tech running back Jonathan Dwyer, and he said there's kids who are putting – Georgia Tech in their top six that weren't even considering playing mm-hmm. Georgia Tech for Georgia Tech four or five years ago. 
I know as a student, and you kind of have to have that balance, but as a student growing up going to games, you got to take a little bit of sense and pride of that for yourself as well. No question. No, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll take some pride in it. I won't take any credit for it, that's for sure. Um, but no, I think it is important. I, I perception uh, is is important as much as 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 much as sometimes it. You know, I think for me, I kind of, you know, there, there was part of me that kind of relished the, uh, you know, the fact that I don't think people really understood, you know, the type of success that was had at Georgia Tech. It was almost mm-hmm. like people would say something, and I'd be like, well, actually, you know, they've actually done this, you know, pretty recently. Hey, they've actually, you know, this has been a little better than, than you might think. Um, but as, as, as fun, as, as nice as that is for me to kind of, you know, prod or, you know, surprise somebody with a comment like that, it's not good from a recruiting perception standpoint. That you know the perception, you know, I always got a kick out of it when it wasn't necessarily accurate. But there's the old adage: perception is reality. And, and when you're talking about um, you know trying to reach a large group of people, not just those who were inundated and bred to, uh, to to be fond of Georgia Tech, like yours truly, it's it's you know you don't just you know you don't just wake up wanting to play for Georgia Tech. You know you, you got to try and uh, you know position yourself that way and recruiting wise. And yeah, I mean I think Dwyer makes a really good point. Um, you know, I think going back to even tech basketball, you know, I think, um, you know, there, there were there were times where, you know, a tech basketball under Bobby Crimmins and, and even some under Paul Hewitt where, you know, you'd see Georgia Tech pop up there, you know, in the top five, you know, for, for, for a lot of really high profile players. And every once in a while, Derek Favors would, would choose Georgia Tech or mm-hmm. um, Thaddeus Young would choose Georgia Tech. Um, Chris Bosch would choose Georgia Tech. So I think we're getting that that flair and that kind of energy back, um, and it's and, and like I said, I think um, it's not only in, energized the student athletes who are there and the recruits, but also the alumni base. I mean, you again talking to Jonathan Dwyer, I, I, we had a conversation with Jaz Nesbitt last fall, uh, who was talking about the same thing that like there's an energy and an excitement and, and, and a pride and a uh, a, a self confidence, a swagger, whatever you want to call it, that I don't want to say wasn't there, but I think it was nice to be reminded of like, oh, yeah, like, Nortex kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that, you know, within our own bubble, you know, we're well aware of, but, but it's nice to have that broadcasted on a, on a larger scale. Yeah, they've definitely, uh, I would say from a marketing standpoint, everything from Waffle House to Collins always talks about having the the landscape behind Bobby Dodd Stadium. You see all the fortune, you know, the four companies, and, and it's just, it's huge. I want to touch on some specific, specific sports because obviously you have a hand in a lot of them. First off with football. Obviously, last season was weird, <laughs> definitely because yeah. of COVID, and, yeah. and you talked a little bit about that. But I think one thing that I've tried to tell you know some fans on the 24-7 site is it was really, really weird. You had a true freshman quarterback who I honestly believe could be one of the tops in the ACC, but by the time he leaves Georgia Tech, I mean, he is really a he's, – yeah. he's got that natural ability. But does it help, Wiley, that Georgia Tech plays in a coastal division you don't obviously you don't have to compete with Clemson for a spot to go to the ACC title game, but a coastal division that seemingly has some topsy turvy and flip flops a different champion every year. I think on speaking in general, I think there's there's probably some benefit to it just just for the sake of you know for so long in the Atlantic now. I mean, even going back before the rise of Clemson, but you know in the early 2010s it was Florida State every year. You know mm-hmm. it was. Florida State or Clemson, Florida State or Clemson, and just the benefit of being in that championship game, uh, which you know Tech has done, you know, four times since uh, since 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 the ACC championship 
uh, was in, you know, or I guess since, since the divisions were split. Um, so I think there is some benefit. I will say this in 2021, the coastal is going to be, I, in my humble opinion, I think a little tougher than, uh, than, than what it has been um, over the past couple of years, mainly because of the quarterback talent you've got coming back. I mean, we've talked about the Eric King at Miami. Uh, Sam Howell clearly is, is, is having a great start to his career at Carolina, only going to get better. Uh, I think Kenny Pickett might be one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the country. Um, so that's three right there where you sit there and go, Oof, you know, those are, those are some tough quarterbacks and you're going to face all three of them. I think Virginia's got a chance to be kind of reloaded here. I think they're poised to, to make some noise um, uh, up in Charlottesville. And so having said that, there's there's four games in my book. They're going to be tough or tougher than, than you know, what you sit there and say, oh, the Coastal. Um, mm-hmm. Not to mention Georgia Tech, you know, with just the, you know, with, with, I'm sure they're thrilled to face Clemson every year. Um, it, you know, granted, now let me be very clear. I wouldn't want it any other way because Clemson to me is, is, is one of the true Georgia tech rivals. And I like having them on the schedule every year from a historical standpoint, it's not ideal when you're, when you're rolling in against the t- number one, number two, number three team every year, year in, year out. And it kind of handicaps you there in the coastal race by having to play that game. Although it does give you a great opportunity. I'll say that too. I mean, you have a great opportunity when you take the field there that, you know, you're not always guaranteed. Uh, and then obviously having Georgia and Notre Dame on the schedule are tough too. So, I think without a doubt that we're going to see a team next year that is much better than last year, just like we saw a team in 2020 that was much better than what we saw in 2019. What do the wins and losses look like? You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But um, I think with football, like I said, I think it's been a steady build. And I think you're at a point where, you know, you're going to need some more patience. You're going to need to uh, you know, continue to be steadfast and in, in, uh, in supporting them and, and being plugged in. Cause I think the payoff, I mean, is, is, is going to be there, you know, again, it may not be in 2021. It might be, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm no, I'm, I can be rather slow to, to come around to things, but um, I, I think it's a group that's going to have a lot of talent in the field and, and it's going to, they'll, they'll, they'll pull off at least a one or two really big wins. I think uh, this coming. Well, I know fans are hoping they can be in the building to see that as well. We talked a little about women's basketball. They're obviously still playing men's basketball is going to, uh, I think they've, they had a group of seniors, whether they decide to come back or not, that have set the foundation. There could be some really fun years to come for this program. They have a great recruiting class coming in. I want to ask you, because baseball, and, and maybe this is a bad question to ask you, Wiley, because you've already said that you don't really care about the clothes. But what's your, what's your favorite jersey that the, uh, as people refer to them as bees ball, Georgia Tech baseball, what did, what's your favorite jersey combination that they roll out there? Because they've gotten some really nice ones. No, they're at a point now where they I mean a home series and a Friday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, they've got three that, in my book, from a uniform standpoint, are, are number one starters. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think you got the Tech Creams, which uh, really captured the imagination of fans uh, these last couple of years, and they wore them. I mean, it was really a phenomenon. People were, man, this is clean, this is sharp. Um, then Saturday, you get the pinstripes, um, which. I personally, I'm not a Yankees fan, but I'm partial to those. I, I just, mm-hmm. I like them a lot. And I think uh, it, it goes hand in hand with kind of the brand of Georgia Tech baseball. I think we've kind of been known as, as uh, at least historically speaking, under Coach Hall, we're, we're a professional uh, program, as in there's not a lot of hand-holding that goes on. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of we're going to treat you like a professional player. We're going to expect you to get your work done. We're not going to stay on top of you. It doesn't mean we're not going to be there to, 
you know, answer questions or whatnot, but there's, it, there, there's no babysitting going on uh, mm-hmm. at Georgia State baseball. So I, I like that added aspect with the pinstripes. And, and, and also I just think they look kind of intimidating in that type of deal, especially when you get Zach Maxwell in there at six foot six, 270 pounds. He, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's a big <laughs> arm right there. Um, and then Sunday, the golds are growing on me. Golds are growing okay. on me. I know that's a, that was a not. It was not just a James Ramsey uh, creation. Uh, Coach Hall, you know, he, I asked him about it, and Coach said, "Well, you know, we actually been thinking about that for a long while, but you know, I think uh, Ramsey came in, and we looked at each other, and said, you know, this is let, let, let's do it. You know, we've we've got some good momentum going. Um, so I like the golds. And look, I mean, if if you're talking about on the field success, uh, the golds are four and one this year. So. You know, whatever I don't, I don't, you know, don't care what you're wearing, just as long as you're winning, right? So let's 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 go with that. I'll go with the golds. Our mutual friend Rod McKenzie has alluded to the curse of Bryce Coon. So that one loss does come when I was behind the mic and in, <laughs> in the Sunday golds and the Sunday golds. So you know, it's it's not been the greatest of luck when when I've made my appearance on the flats, okay. but um, but that's okay. I want to shift because you have your hand in some other Atlanta sports, and when I say that, us people that grew up in Georgia and grew up rooting for whether it's the Falcons, the Hawks, the Braves, we shudder, we shudder. There's, there's a shudder when it comes to Atlanta sports because of the memories, but you, but you have your hands. And so I want to ask because the NBA trade deadline just passed today. Uh, and you, I know you have your hand a little bit of stuff with uh, some Fox sports or is, I guess they're moving to the new, the new branding and everything, but the Hawks, the story of this team, and I, I don't know if you grew up a fan of the Hawks and, and now have the opportunity to work kind of and, and see them in person, but uh, what is this team to you? Is, is it a is it a team that has this amazing core that just kind of needs an influx of maybe a veteran guy that maybe like a Clint Capella has provided? Or is this a team that they still need some younger pieces to try to find that? And I, and I know that's a, that's, a, that's a broad question, but what yeah. are the Hawks to you right now? Uh, well, to me, in the present, they're exciting. Um, they're, they're they're playing a really fun brand of basketball, and, and I think uh, you know I did grow up a Hawks fan. Uh, I remember the very early years of Josh Smith, first player. I remember Jason Terry, um, big uh, big Mike Bibby fan, uh, and I always you know I'll, I'll get crushed for saying this, but I always liked Marvin Williams. You know, I know his whole career it's going to be you're taking before Chris Paul and da da da. But I thought Marvin um, was not only a great. Uh, player for the Hawks or, or, you know, a real strong contributor, but I thought he represented uh, the Hawks off the court really well. Um, and, and, and I really appreciate of, of, uh, of, you know, well, what he was able to do in Atlanta. So ha- having said that, that the Hawks in 2021, I think it's an exciting group. Um, I think you're going to have to try and figure out um, what you want to do with John Collins. Um, that that's kind of the, the million dollar question and the deadline now is passed and, He's still a hawk. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but I think if you're if you're Travis Schlenk, um, you know, and I, I almost feel like I'm talking out of turn here, even you know, getting into his business. But that's that's part of the fun of of, of, of talking sports. So I get. I suppose my biggest concern there is you've built some momentum. You just, I just don't think you you cannot afford to sit there and 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 retool that much longer. I mean, I think you, you've got to kind of push. And I'm not saying push all in and, and just, you know, go for broke in, you know, 2022. But, you know, the days of being, you know, as, you know, win totals in the, in the teens um, or even in the low 20s, you know, I think, I think it's time, you know, for his regime to where, okay, let's, you know, we're, we're moving in, we're going to get some playoff experience. And, you know, I kind of feel like, I mean, go back to, you know, 
the past iterations of the Hawks here, you know, this side of, of 2000, you know, it was a group that in 2008 made that jump to the playoffs. And then they, then they made the playoffs for eight straight years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people are quick to point out, well, you know, I'd rather, you know, be a one or a two seed and, um, you know, be a friend to win an NBA championship. And there are those who might argue that the Hawks weren't that, you know, in those six or seven years under Woodson and Drew and um, all that. But I think what that group did was they assembled some really good pieces. Um, it kept them competitive. So when, you know, um, you're able to bring in um, the right uh, accessor- you know, accessories, you're able to kind of put together something like what we saw in 2015, um, which, and I think that team, if it's, if it's fully healthy and, you know, you've got the, 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 the mojo of what was going on in January of that year in the postseason, I think, yeah, I think they can beat LeBron in the, in the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, because of injuries and, and for whatever reason, you know, it just, it didn't come together at the right time, but we're talking about a franchise that had never been to that round before. So the idea that, I mean, they, they've never really, you know, I guess you could say the peak Dominique years, maybe, you know, they, they were in a spot where, I mean, obviously he was traded when they were the one seed or in position to be the one seed, which, you know, there are some Hawks fans who outright abandoned their fandom right then and there. And I can't blame <laughs> them for some of that, but um, the, the, the bottom line to me is that with the Hawks, they've got some really talented pieces and, and even if they need to reconfigure a little bit, there's no reason in my mind why this team shouldn't make the playoffs year in, year out for the foreseeable future. And then again, I, the next step is, you know, can you bring in the right, can you sign the right free agent? Can you make the right deal that you put that in there and the mix, you know, it, it's simpatico um, and, and you're able to really make that special run like what we saw about six, seven years ago. So I, I got to go a little bit more lighthearted here. Okay. Nine, 10 year old Wiley Ballard in the driveway getting ready to shoot some basketball. Are you wearing the headband in honor of Mike Bibby or not? That's all I got to you know. know. It's, it's, it's funny, Bryce. I actually wasn't in the driveway uh, getting ready to shoot hoops. I was in the driveway firing hockey pucks at my younger brother. Wow. I was a yeah, diehard Thrashers there. Diehard. Still, I mean, still am, I guess. I mean, I, I don't watch the Jets, but a diehard Thrashers fan. My first dream, you know, as, as so many – uh, young boys from Canada say, although I'm born and raised in Atlanta, so I can't say that, but <laughs> I, I wanted to play in the NHL, man. I, I, that was my first, like, you know, seven, eight years old. I wanted to play in the NHL. Uh, and I, I'll still tell you this day, there's, there's not a sport better than hockey. Now I will sit here and say there are other sports that are just as good, but I am a huge believer uh, in the sport of hockey. So no, I wasn't wearing the Mike Bibby headband. I was wearing the uh, Mark Savard Atlanta Thrashers Jersey uh, in the driveway. And I was, firing hockey pucks at my five-year-old brother who was taking them in the stomach and burst into tears. And, you know, he went on to win some, some, some rec league championships in middle school on the ice. So I take some credit for, uh, for toughening them up. There you go. There you go. And, and two, you talk about Jersey combos, the thrashers. I mean, they had, they had some good looking, some good looking uniforms as well. We'll wrap it up here and we'll head over to when this comes out, we're going to be about a week away from the start okay. of baseball season and, and, and the Atlanta Braves. And I think, Everyone, it's going to be a welcome sight. Now, I now you talked about hockey. I myself am a baseball purist, and, and the fact that every spring there's a clean slate, no matter if you are the New York Yankees or the Baltimore Orioles, mm-hmm. everyone feels like they've got a chance. And for some teams, middle of April comes along and they no longer have that chance. But I don't but, think the Orioles don't have one that did starting game <laughs> one, but that's just me. Sorry. 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 <laughs> they should just stay down in sunny Sarasota and just enjoy the time down there and get ready for the next season, some may think. That's what I, do. <laughs> I, I wanna I wanna ask you 
about this Braves team. You've you've kind of had a uh, we'll say a front seat, or maybe it's a back seat due to COVID to, to be able to see some of these things about this yeah. team. And I think you pointed it out with the Hawks, and I think you talked about with the Hawks, you had to bring that right person in there that keeps the chemistry there. To me, Marcelo Zuna coming back to Atlanta keeps the chemistry there for this team that makes them so special. They're not going to go out and spend $400 million on one player. And I think fans have just got to accept that. That's okay. It's all right. But for you going into this season, arguably this is one of the most exciting seasons. If you hadn't been paying attention for the past three, you better go ahead and find the the channel now because it's going to be a fun season. Without question, I think I'll be very curious to see what the offense does uh, in 2021, only because the 60 games they had uh, in 2020, it was bonkers, man. It was, I mean, it was bonkers. Best offense in baseball um, by, 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 by some measures. And certainly there wasn't an offense that was, if there was an offense that was better, it wasn't that far, that, that much better. Um, so I, I, part of me sits here and says there's, there's no way they could be that good. Although, who knows? But what I will say, whatever the offense, um, you know, whatever step the offense takes back, as small as it might be, I think the pitching and the starting pitching especially can take a serious step forward. And it's funny because the way the postseason, uh, you know, sort of played out for the Braves, the starting pitching really wasn't a problem, which if you had asked, I think, anybody, you know, a week before the postseason, you would have said, I mean, who are we going to – I mean, who are we starting you – know, who's starting game three? Who's starting game four? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, Bryce Wilson says – I'm ready, guys. I can do it. Um, you know, so you, you've got a starting pitching core that has guys like Bryce Wilson who really stepped up and, and really got it done. You got a guy like Kyle Wright um, who, you know, save, um, you know, start here or there down the stretch. You know, he seemed to really kind of find his rhythm as well. So you got the two young guys, Wilson and Wright, who really weren't able to do a whole lot for you in the regular season, but the playoffs that, you know, they delivered. And then you add – Charlie Morton, Drew Smiley, and Mike Soroka, uh, you know, coming off of, of, of his injury. Um, you know, and whether or not he's ready to go in the gun sounds, you know, we'll see. But, you know, between that and Max Freed and who, who am I forgetting? I, I know for who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting somebody. Um, Max Freed, Soroka, Morton, Smiley. Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson. Thanks, That's Ian Anderson. Yes, My God. Yes. Hello, wake <laughs> up, please. Um, forgive me. Yeah, Ian Anderson did in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable, you know. And again, Ian, Ian was Ian came up, you know, at, towards the end of August um, mm-hmm. last year. So, man, I'm going to hear it about that one. Sorry, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the bottom line is, I think this is. Just, I mean, you go back and look at the starting pitching numbers for the regular season last year. They're terrible. Terrible is a strong word. They were not very good. Outside of Max Freed, I mean, outside of Max Freed, every fifth day you had a consistent starter. Yeah, every I should say, yeah, every fifth. Yeah, I mean, but so you know, even if the offense takes a step back, even if Marcel isn't what he was this in the sixty games, even if Freeman's not winning MVP, although man, you feel like you can bank on him to do the same thing every year. You know, even if Dansby isn't as good as he was, I mean, I think this is a team that because of its starting pitching is not only going to be as good, if not better. But then the last piece of it, the bullpen, you know, I know there's some concern about, okay, Melanson's gone, Green's gone. I think Will Smith, I mean, and you've seen it in spring training, I think he's going to be a, a real, real, uh, real good closer. I think A.J. Mincer, uh, his improvement was real. 
I think Josh Tomlin's a great swing man. I think um, Tyler Matzik showed you some really exciting things. So, you know, having said all of that, I think because the starting pitching will be better, it'll take pressure not only off the offense, but also the bullpen. And so that, to me, is the key to the Braves season, if they can get those starters rolling to where, again, I marvel at how well they did last year with some of the pitching performances they got in there in August to September. You know, I mean, they just they, they slugged their way to a division championship with, with a lot of help in the bullpen. But if you're only asking the bullpen for, say, you know, an average of three and a third a night compared to what turned into about five. I mean, it was about a 50-50 split in innings between bullpen mm-hmm. and starting pitching. So, you know, I think the team can be better. It might look a little different, but I think, it'll, I think it could be even better. And Wiley, I don't know if you did, but I grew up, I was a baseball card collector, and I'm a big believer that the back of a baseball card, it's the law of averages. Marcelo Zuna bats 338 in 60 games. And I think two people fans need to understand, that's a snapshot. You take yeah. those 60 games and you put it and say that's June and July. What does he do from April to May, and what does he do from August to October? He, he, I don't know if he bats 338. Now, fans are, you know, they've got their fingers crossed hoping that that happens, but he's still a great player. And you talked about Will Smith. There was a lot of concerns, but he had a weird – I mean, obviously, COVID affected him. He never really – the slider was never really breaking how he felt. It was staying flat. And I think in, in, in conversations, and if you watch Snicker talk about – there's been a lot of talk every single year. The national media has seemingly said, yeah, the Braves are probably about the third or fourth. Pakoda. I don't know what in the world those people have going on over there. It's very interesting. I know they're very good at their jobs. But to me, my status is until you are beaten, until, you're, until you haven't proved that you're the best, then there's no reason for me to understand or think that you should not. Much like the Dodgers out in the West, the Padres and the Dodgers had an arms race this offseason. To me, the Dodgers are the better team until the Padres prove otherwise. For you, I don't want to get into the expectation game because that's dangerous, especially among Georgia sports fans. You don't want to do that. Uh, but but I think with this team, and would you agree, uh, Ronald Acuna, that may have been a little banged up towards the in that, in that playoff run, a healthy full year from Ozzie Albies, uh, a, a rotation that really can only go up. And like you said, you're going to be adding Mike Soroka, which is almost like a trade because you really didn't have him at all that season. Is there a more exciting time to be a fan of a team that does its windows not one or two years? And and I'll and I'll even go further into the question of saying, you talked about a model of consistency. Freddie Freeman is a player to me that he ate, he's the type of player who will age very well. Not a not a power hitter guy. I mean, he can do that. He's just a fantastic all around hitter. Is there a better time to be a fan of this franchise and see where a window they it, it's one that's could be open for a decent amount? And you don't want to play that game too much, but I feel like you might be able to say that. And you're in our lifetimes, it's without a question the best time to be a Braves fan. You can make an argument that when you've got Lavin Maddox and Smoltz and you know Steve Avery's coming up in the early 90s and all that going on, that you could say, you know, that was pretty good too. But, you know, I was born uh, December of 93. So, you know, we can sit here and say the first World Series I saw the Braves won, but I don't remember it. So, you know, I think for, for our, our generation and, 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 and for those, uh, you know, behind us, I think this is, this is about as good uh, as it's been. You know, my, my peak, peak fandom was probably um, in, the, uh, in Bobby's final years there, you know, really 07 to, to 10. And, and even going into the Freddie Gonzalez era, you know, I, I, it was so funny. I would hear older guys around me talk about how much they hated the Mets. And I was like, what are you talking yeah. about? I hate the Phillies. Phillies yeah. do it every year. What do you, who cares about the Mets? It's the Phillies. 
You know, and now I think if you talk to guys who are, you know, a little younger than you and I, maybe it's the Nats. So I think that was something that was kind of kind of fascinating for me to watch. And who knows, maybe maybe in the years to come, it'll be the Marlins because all of a sudden, you know, they've, they've got a heck of a pitch rotation coming in, too. So, um, yeah, I think for anybody who is not old enough to remember the late 90s and, you know, and we can sit here and talk about it, they didn't win in the postseason or whatnot. It, it still beats losing 130 games in my book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or 100 games. I mean, not exaggerate, but. Um, no, I think I think this is this is a good time to be a to, to be a Braves fan. It's a it's a good time to be a Hawks fan. It's a good time to be a Georgia Tech fan. Um, heck, I'll even it's a good time to be a Georgia fan right now. I mean, they're in a spot with Kirby where they're doing some special things. Uh, you know, I think the only the only team that that might you know have a little bit of growing and, and maneuvering to do in my book to you might have some rough times ahead. I guess might be the Birds, uh, the Falcons, I should say. Uh, but that's I, that's for another time. <laughs> that's that that's a whole nother uh, podcast topic. I'll wrap it up with a final question here, Wiley, and I ask whether it's an athlete, a coach, um, broadcaster, sports media member, the best piece of advice you've received and how you've seen that play out so far. And I know you're still young into your career, but what has that been for you? Um, ooh, I got a lot of good ones. Um, you know, I think I, 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 I'll, I, I do have a, a piece of advice I like a lot. Um, but I, I would first say, I think more than anything, you know, you hear it all the time in a locker room, it's lead by example. I think that's the big, he's trying to absorb the way that people do the job. Man. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, a, a, a lot of, uh, of broadcasters I've tried to learn from. Um, and so I think a lot of you just get by watching, you know, I mean, you don't even need to tell you, you just, Oh, okay. That's how, mm-hmm. you know, that's how you carry yourself on the air. That's how you carry yourself off the air. That's how you handle a, a negative situation. You know, that's how you, you know, uh, rebound after a mistake, you know, all that type of deal. So I think I learned a lot from that, but, uh, but, but something that stuck with me and I, I'll be, I can't remember where I, where I first heard it, but you know, I, the, the idea that, that, you know, uh, confidence is not walking in the room and thinking you're better than everybody else. Confidence is walking in the room knowing you don't need to compare yourself. Uh, and, and I think that that has stuck with me. And um, yeah, that that's something I, I think about pretty regularly, especially in the, you know, I mean, heck, there's every industry nowadays is competitive, but obviously broadcasting is, is especially so. And, you know, I think that's that's a way that keeps you grounded, uh, reminds you of, of, of who you are and, and what you bring to the table and that uh, you don't need to try and do anything other than just be yourself and, you know, go to work. That's great. That is absolutely great. We've had some great advice, and that is definitely up there with the tops. Wiley, appreciate your time. Where can our listeners and our follows, followers find you on social media? We won't throw out your Facebook page. That's okay. No no personal well, Facebook it's, it's request. Wiley Ballard on Facebook. You can hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Wiley underscore Ballard. Gotcha. On Twitter at Wiley underscore Ballard. That's good. He'll be pumping out a lot of different Atlanta sports takes, I'm sure. No, that may, may, maybe maybe not, maybe not. But we appreciate you coming on, Wiley, and uh, and uh, talking talking with us. Yeah. No, Bryce, it's a pleasure, man. A big fan of yours. Uh, love what you're doing, uh, attacking things head on. And you know, we joke we only met in person, I guess, about what a couple of weeks ago. But it's it's very clear uh, you take your craft very seriously. Uh, you're you don't shy away from from doing your prep work and working hard. And uh, I'm excited to see where you go. Appreciate that, Wiley. One, one, one day we'll all get back and we'll be able to be at a full pack stadium somewhere, and it's going to be a ton of fun. I can't can't wait for it. You and me both. All right.